I made a list last night of the things Gene Hall has asked me to do that I have not done. There's only three things, only three, and one is in the process. We're writing a book. The book is What's Holding You Back? I worked on that book while I was down with my broken ankle. The book is already written, but we're doing the breaking down, the editing part of it, and I've been slow on that the past couple months. And it's going to the publisher January 1st. So it'll be, it is awesome. What is holding you back is going to be actually a book published and written by this ministry. Yeah, I, I, it's awesome. It is going to be awesome. So um, anyway, Brooke, his daughter, she's on chapter seven. He's having certain people kind of just read it over. Mother Hines read it. She liked it. It was good, but we still need to do some, there still needs to be some changes and stuff like that. So anyway, so I'm not finished it on time, but there's two other things Jean asked me to do, and one was come up with a marketing plan for a specific area, Yellow Bluff. But it was like, now I feel like I'm supposed to do it. Like now something's happening with it, so I'm going to be doing it. So I have that, and then to read these and have these recorded out for the public. So I'm catching up on my disobedience list because I want to receive what? A double blessing, right? We want it. We should want to receive the double blessing. So praise God. Go ahead and put up um, Proverbs. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna put this out here. Um, I opened up today in the real estate class with this verse, and it's Proverbs 31:11. And I want to open up with this because we have to be aware of the grace that God has bestowed on us. And I'm gonna build something up. We've been talking about the awareness of grace chart, and today I might go a little bit off. Um, on a little bit of a different tangent, which is going to be on the awareness of grace. But I want to remind everybody that they are the bride of Christ. Everybody in here is a bride of Christ, whether you're a man or a girl. And in relationship, for you to be aware of when God puts a word out, and that word is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is the true discerner of the heart. I want everybody to read this verse as I read along. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. The Lord has been revealing to me that as we grow from assignment to assignment, we come in as the bride of Christ. And our husband is who? Jesus, right? We, we are supposed to be married to this relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's in us. He wants to dwell in us. And one of the things is when he puts us in a place, he puts us in a place so that we can be refined as gold and silver. Okay? So he can move out the wood and the hay, the things that are not God. But he's already chosen you to be a partner in something. All right? So the heart of her husband safely trusts her. If her is the bride of Christ, the heart of her husband, husband is Jesus. Now, that's why I said we're all the bride of Christ. So there's an element. We all have what a her going right of a bride. He will have no lack of gain. If we recognize that we are to be married to Christ and in whatever assignment he puts us in, he already decides. He says, I trust her. He already decides, I trust you. So as a bride coming into your assignment, wherever you're assigned to go, do you know what he's saying? He already decided, I trust you. I trust you, Kenrick. I trust you, Carl. I trust you, Jamie. I trust you, Wida. He's already saying, wherever he's put you, that he's trust you. Now, how do you feel in that spot? You don't feel like anybody's trusting you. You don't feel like anybody's with you. You feel like, am I making the wrong decision? And he's saying the whole time, if we are married, if you are married, if the bride is married to the bridegroom, then that means he trusts her. And if we can believe that he is trusting and trusting us, with, uh, we are vessels entrusted to steward an awesome, impelling power within us, which is the Holy Spirit. That he says, he will have no lack of gain. There will be nothing that lacks. Think about this in a married couple. A husband marries a wife. If he trusts his wife with everything, and he trusts her. I love it. Sheila had a great marriage. 
Her husband trusted her. And when he trusted her, they lacked, there was no lack of gain in their home. There was only abundance. And I've been to Sheila's home and I have been with the two of them. There was an abundance because they trusted one another. He trusted her and she trusted him. Okay. Now, when you have Christ in alignment and we think all of us, we got to, we have to develop that trust and we become the bride who he says he will have no lack of gain. So if we're willing to connect to that marriage, do you know the grace that is upon us to do whatever we're trusted to do? Even if we don't know what we're doing, we don't, we don't know everything we're doing. But he already said, when he called me to CE Hall, he already said, I trust you. I didn't know that, right? When he called each person to what? Hunter McLean. I trust you. Weta, man, she's got to be in charge of all these attorneys. She's got to administer whatever she administers in that building, right? But when she was called to the job, God already knew that he was bringing Weta to that job and he wanted her to be married. That was her husband. And he says, I trust you, right? And you probably started that job thinking, can I do this? I don't care. There isn't any job that we don't take that we don't say, can I do this? But if we trust that he put us there and we know that he safely trusts in us and we trust in him, guess what's going to happen in that position? There will be no lack or gain. He already said it that way. So everything we do, if we do it under Christ, man, and we develop that trust, that and you have that trust that's so strong, there is no wedge that can divide those two people or the two that are in the marriage, okay? Whether it's us in Christ, whether it's us in our job. And so I, the Lord gave me this revelation. It was so awesome because when we do, when we, bye Carl, when we meet with people and one of the first things that, you know, you want to know when two people are coming together, where's their relationship in Christ? If they're coming in here before they get married, then guess what? It's about their relationship with Christ. And then when they come together, who's bringing them together? Jesus. The Jesus is bringing them together. But there can be a wedge. And what's that wedge? Not lack of trust. I mean, Weta, you had an excellent marriage. Weta had an awesome, awesome marriage. And you know what? And it was the Lord's time when he took her husband. And I know that Sheila has experienced this too. But now the Lord has another assignment to you. Sheila is not a widow. Weta is not a widow. They have a husband. And they have an assignment to treat as a husband. I love it. I mean, God did that to me. When he said, I heard it. You will love C.E. Hall with all your heart, soul, body. I was like, what? And you were going to love this ministry. And I wasn't even coming to this ministry. But I was to love it. And the Lord said, you love this like your husband. And then that I'm going, there's a blessing for you to just surrender to this. Well, you know what? The Lord gave me this song. And I ministered it to the guys um, one day. And the song was... Um, Huh? The, yeah, the song is Love the One You're With, you know, by, um, I was looking up the name. Who sings it? Uh, Love the One You're With. Um, Crosby, it's it. Crosby, Stills, that's why I was looking up the name. And um, I was driving and, you know, because we get weary in doing our assignments sometimes. And then, you know, the Lord said, wherever your assignment is, love the one you're with. Okay, what else do you have to do but to love what you're assigned to love, whether it's your job, whether it's whatever it is. I look at Rachel. Love the one you're with. Who is she loving? Her dog. <laughs> she is loving her dog. I say that because that's who Rachel's assigned to her dog right now. The dog is on older years. There's a lot more work that has to be done with our dog. But let me tell you, that girl bathes that dog every night. That girl makes dinner for that dog. She has her on a diet now. Why? Because that will help her walk better. And you see it's attached to her. That's her what right now? It's her assignment because something in her tending to that dog is going to change her. And I keep telling her, you're going to be a great mom because the way she's tending this dog. I mean, it is kind of, I just think it's awesome. So remember, God always puts something in alignment. Somebody, something, someplace, whatever it is. Be aware of what you're called there. Be aware. I want to read some verses that the Lord um, also came to my heart about this because I got really sucked in the other day 
And as we are growing in the body of Christ, we have to know the difference between forces and powers. Okay? And remember I told you, the second heaven is full of what? There's two, there's two types of spirits working. What are they? The angels and the what? Demons. That's what the word said. All right. Well, as we're growing, the angels are assigned to what? Restrain the evil that is supposed to, that the enemy's trying to befall upon us. So he's trying to do that. But the demon's job is to do what? Get us off the path. Okay, so now, Jesus has a ministry. Can you put up Hebrews 8.1? Hebrews 8.1. I want people to truly know how are you aware of the power of grace? Sharice. I love Sharice. Hebrews 8.1 says, Now this is the main point. Don't you love this? I like it when he reads sentences like, This is the what? Main point of the things we are saying. And this is Paul speaking. We have such a what? High priest who is seated at the what? Right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Go to 8-2. Thank you. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Let me tell you, as we are growing up in the body, we have a physical, you know, I've already talked about this. We have our physical corruptible body. But inside, we have an incorruptible gift that if we learn how to work with that gift and, and, we have, and we understand it and we can communicate with a minister, who is our minister? Jesus. He has already been given the full authority over our growth, over where we're being developed. And I want you to think about this. Jesus, Jesus came to bring us the new covenant. The first covenant was the what? The law. Everybody has to experience the law before they experience Jesus Christ. Because in the law, you learn external habits. And guess what you learn while you're doing those external habits? That you, you can't fulfill them. You can't fulfill them until you recognize who your minister is. And when we realize that Jesus is our minister, he says, go to Hebrews 8.11. 8.11. He says, you have to learn to get to know me. You have to know who I am. You have to be aware of my grace. You have to be aware that I've called you into a place out of darkness and into light. It says, none of them shall teach his neighbor, none his brother saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. Now, I bring this verse up to let you know that he is going to hit everybody. Everybody's going to have, a, Jamie and I were just talking about this. Everybody's going to have an opportunity to, to accept and grasp on to the grace of God through Jesus Christ. But he says, none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord. All right. What that means is we can come into a building like this and you're going to receive teaching, right? And you're going to receive the word. But I really can't teach it to you. All I can do is present the word to you. When you go home and you commit it to the Holy Spirit, your minister, your minister, your high priest, who actually, that is the blood that enters you in to get you into, get to where God wants to tell you. God wants to dwell with you. He wants to grow with you. He says, I can't tell you to know the Lord. I can't say, Jamie, go know the Lord. Come back to me tomorrow, right? I can't say, Jamie, read these scriptures and know the Lord, come back and see me. You know, I say that I'm being a little exaggerated, fun on it. The only, but you can come into a place and we can sit. This is where I really encourage, I would love everybody to do this test for 30 days. I encourage you to, if you are going to listen to teaching, do you know what I mean? Take some time and say, I'm not going to listen to any other voice but the voice of the Holy Spirit. Man, watch the cleansing that will happen. Do you know what I mean? Even I, I have to take those times. Like, I'm going to have five days. Rachel's going out of town. I'm a, I love being alone, right? I'm going to take five days. I'm not going to listen to any other what? Voice. I'm looking forward to it. 
and I'm going to get into, I'm just going to worship, read the word, work on the book, do everything. He wants to teach me more about what? Knowing him. He wants, there, I love this. I love this because Jamie and I were just talking about this. There is a place where we know who he is. We don't know him. We know who God is because he's got a reputation. We know who Jesus is. That man's got a reputation. He's got a reputation of miracles, signs, wonders. Woo, right? There isn't anybody that hasn't heard of the name of Jesus. I really believe that Jesus is already embedded in our fiber. But do we know him? Mm -mm. We can know something, but do we really physically know him from the inside coming out? And the Lord said to me that he has made a tailor-made life for each and every one of his children. And in that tailor-made life, the enemy wants to come and move you off the path, but that's how you learn to know me. You will know me by walking out your journey with me. All right, so these are the two things, two forces that we have to think about. Hold on for a sec. And the one is there are forces that come to us that are compelling. So the word compelling is a force. When you have a salesman, an infomercial, don't you love this? You are, who's ever sat up and watched the infomercial? And by the time the hour and a half is done, you are trying to find your credit card to buy what they're selling. That is a compelling force. It's a compelling force because it's coming from the outside, not the inside of you. Okay? So in the second heaven, there are compelling forces. Those are the demons. Demons are compelling forces that come like angels of light. And all they do is they start building up, building up, building up a force to draw people to do what they're selling. In fact, the word compelling means a limited, impersonal revelation. A limited, impersonal. That means it's not tailored for you. It's tailored for all people listening. It's impersonal. When you're looking at it, I forget what the name of it was. I was young, and it was this, you put your feet, you hold onto a hand, and your feet go like this. It was an exercise machine. You, you probably remember it. Okay, I forget what it was called, but it was really cool. I thought it was so cool. By the time I listened to that infomercial, guess who bought it? I did. Guess what? It got delivered to my house. I put it together. It took up a whole space on the corner of my bedroom. I used it in the beginning because it was so what? Cool. And guess what? I never used it after that. Okay? So I spent $130 on something I didn't use. I was compelled by a limited, by an hour and a half presentation, impersonal revelation of getting healthy. And why was it impersonal? Because it wasn't just for me, was it? It wasn't personal. It was impersonal. That means it was for all people. So we all know how it feels to have a compelling force. Come on, the best makeup, the best this, the best that, the best this. <gasps> Got to what? Have it. All right. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But no, we have to know now about impelling power. Impelling power is a complete. It is immediate knowledge of God. Impelling is coming from the inside. It's a power. The power of the Holy Spirit connected with the ministry of Jesus Christ and entering into the Father, it's going to be an impelling, an impelling power. All right? It's complete. It's immediate. It's for who? You. It is all about you. So let me take, let me, let me take this back. I could have already heard a force inside saying, Start exercising, start exercising, start exercising, start exercising, start exercising. And then I can listen to an infomercial and it could be exactly what God wants me to do. But the first thing it has to do is the compelling force has to match up with the what? Impelling power. Okay. Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus is power. It is power. It's the kingdom. That's the Holy Spirit in you, kingdom of God. Then it's what? Power. And that's the word of God. And then we experience the glory, the manifestation of abiding in him and then working it out, obeying the instruction. So compelling forces are our witnesses. The compelling things around us are helping to move us along. But think about this. Sometimes if we have fear, if we have anger, if we have lust, if we have any of those lists of things, sickness, those things are going to compel you to do something God did not send you to do. 
because you're going to think that you want to please God. But we can only please God by faith. Okay? It's impossible to please Him without faith. So we really have to understand, is this a compelling force? Now, I'm going to give you an example. Somebody, I'm not going to tell the details of it. Somebody texted me last night, and something hit their mind. That It hit their mind. And they send me this picture, and they're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. They're, they're, I think this, I think that. I th they're, they're telling me what they think about this picture. So being that God has really dropped me to feel the difference of what is a compelling force from the outside in and what's an impelling power, I started asking this person questions. I text them questions. What started the thought? What makes you think you should go do this? Do you know what I mean? Like really simple questions, not judging them. Ask myself. And I said, what made you seek this picture? What made you want to call this person? What made you, do you know what I mean? Building it up. And the person realized after we went through the questions, he was creating something he wasn't supposed to create. It was really awesome because I said, and I told him I was going to teach this tonight. And I said, if it's a force that came to distract your mind of what God is trying to set you out to do, then now it's become a compelling force that you just yielded to. And you're actually deciding to call this person, go take this test, go do this, go do all these things because you've decided. Nobody called him. Nobody knocked on his door. Nobody, do you get what I'm going on this? He started seeking out something because there's a force in things. There's a force in sound. There's a force in pictures. There's a force in who you look up to. Do you know what I mean? We're to look up to Jesus. We're to look unto others for love, but we're not to look at them as, oh my God, they know everything. When we start putting leaders on a pedestal, woof, we've got to put them down because we're just human beings too. And we're learning how to walk this out. When the Lord told me that he has a tailor-made life for us, he wants us to learn how to walk in that tailored manner. As tailored means it's fitted perfectly for you. And made is two ways. He's made is M-A-D-E. He makes you, right? But then there's made, M-A-I-D. We are made servants unto the Lord. So what he has tailor made for us is something we're going to have to what? Serve. It's so beautiful as he was giving me this. Okay. And this is what he said. Okay. In Jesus Christ, we are to perform under the covenant of God's grace, right? How do you know that you're moving in an impelling spiritual power from the inside out? You have grace. There is unmerited favor. When you're in that assignment and he's saying, I trust you, Sheila. And Sheila's like, I don't know why he's trusting me. <laughs> because right now I am not feeling it, right? But she goes to her minister. I go to Jesus. I say, hey, Jesus, in the, you're, you're, okay, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, Father, show me, explain to me. If she's in the right place, here are the two signs. Her signs are going to be grace, unmerited favor, because she's not able to do what she's asked to do. He trusts her to do it, but she's not completely able to do it without him. The second thing you experience is mercy, because you can't do it. So you're going to do something that's not right, but thank God that his mercy endures forever and his mercy and grace are the signs and the characteristics that you're walking in that new covenant. You are walking in that new relationship, something that it's a building of relationship. Now I want you to think this. Okay, so we walk under grace. How do we know we understand our assignment? We are standing under his umbrella of grace. All right. So now, a new relationship, not based on compelling forces, but based on impelling power. Now I'm going to go deeper. A compelling force is an evoking, I looked up the definition, it's evoking an interest. It's grasping your attention. How do you know you're following it? It becomes irresistible. <laughs> It becomes irresistible and it's pulling you into a way and it starts to overwhelm you. What are you being overwhelmed by? Fear is going to be the first thing. What are you getting? Anger starts to bellow up. Okay. So when you are moving in something that's compelling you 
And it is a force not from the inside because the world is full of forces. That is a second heaven. But an impelling power that works for men, here's what an impelling power is. It is a drive. So look, our drives, our desires are good. They are good things. That doesn't mean that it's coming from a compelling force. It can be coming from an, an urge inside of you. It's a drive. It's an urge. It is to do something. Gene has been teaching the guys, he started on Monday, about urgency versus anxiety. Anxiety is compelling force, getting you off track. All right? And then urgency is when you know it's coming from the inside. It's coming from the inside. Now I'm going to give a, 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 just a brief testimony with Jamie. Jamie, many weeks ago, whatever, 20 weeks ago, I don't know what the number count started on it. Somebody calls her. Okay, Jamie's growing in Christ. She, she is just, I mean, it's amazing everything that's happened in Jamie's life, you know. And God has done it where he's swirled everything up and then it always fell on God because she didn't let go. She hasn't let go. She's been through the flood. She's being through, going through the fires. Well, all of a sudden she gets a call and the call says, hey, a friend from high school says to me that you can help me with this gun range, right? The gun range? All right. So she pursues it because why? She didn't go look for it. It came to her. Okay. But something in her kind of tweaks. You know, what is that? The Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the knowledge of everything. So what does she do? In all things that come to you, what's your job to do? Step it out. Don't make a decision. Step it out. What did she do? She took one step. She went over to Macon to go meet the person. Okay? And he offered her this and offered her that and offered her this. And I love Jamie because the Lord, now she's feeling the forces start to increase. The Holy Spirit is trying to speak to her. But the compelling forces are all around her. Okay? So what happens when two things are going? One thing's swirling and the other thing's pumping. What's happening? You're trying to communicate in two different worlds. And you're trying to figure out what and where to go. Well, Jamie tells nobody, right? She tells nobody about this. This is what's crazy. And you see stuff going on with Jamie. Like you just, you know, you know that she's working something out. But she gets up in the middle of the night. I love, praise God. She gets up, takes a shower, dresses her bed, lays back in bed and worships God, right? <laughs> and she tells God and doesn't tell anybody else. If this is the way I am to go, she gave it to who? Jesus. All right. Then you're going to have to double the pay. And you're going to have to show me through your word. Well, and I know I'm just summarizing this really quick. This is a much longer testimony. But I'm summarizing it nicely because the guy calls back a couple of days later, triples her pay. Okay. And then she still doesn't connect yet. She walks it out by the word of God. Every day she took one step. Boom. God landed a word. As she meditated on that word. And she came one with that word. Then something else would come and she would what? Step it out. And then the beautiful thing is when God moves you on something, he always releases you. How do you know you're being released? You're released because it, when, you, when change of God is happening, here's you and whatever circumstance you're attached to. When God's about to transition you, there's a let. You know something's going on. I explained this to Weta one time. And then now you're like this. In between you, the old and the new, there's air right? Okay. But then it starts moving. It starts moving and God starts telling you what to do. Every time it shifts, he's telling you, do something, get your house in order. I love this with Sheila. The Lord talked to her the whole time, the year before her husband passed, not telling her what was going to happen. He just kept saying, take care of your health, get your house in order. She didn't know why, but this is what was happening. Sheila's being moved into her next move of God. Jamie being moved. She's comfortable here at CE Hall. Okay, she gets an offer. She gets something. God wants to send her here. And now it's like this. But you can't go and break. Too many people go like this and they just, they move because of compelling forces, not impelling power. Only the impelling power of the Holy Spirit can keep you moving along something like this. And you move along word by word, word by word, word by word. And then there becomes a level where you're really getting that this is what you need to do. And then as you, there is a release time where it's like a kiss and the move is done. 
Okay, people don't wait for the release of God because they're not patient enough to tap into the impelling power who knows the truth of every step. I'm so, Jamie's going to be giving her testimony, so I'm not giving the whole testimony, but I gave you a nice little summary. When she gives this testimony, when you hear the word, the power is on the word because God went like this. The day God did it, it was a kiss and a move. And now she's, she's going to be leaving January 1st, but it was already done. It's so beautiful, and the Lord used me to release it. It was awesome, okay? Same with Sheila and her transition with her husband. She didn't know what was going to happen. She kept moving, hearing the Holy Spirit, hearing the Holy Spirit. Well, there came a time, and it was so beautiful, and if you don't mind me saying this, I spent some time with Sheila at her house, and right when it was like this, this man did everything he was supposed to do before he died. He already knew who his successor was going to be at the church, not knowing he was dying. He didn't know he was going to suffer a heart attack that night. And what he did was, it was so beautiful at the funeral, because a man stood up and said, I have followed this man. And one night he passed, they would check the doors. They had a routine at the church. One man, elder, would check it, and somebody belong would check it behind. Well, he released this other guy and said, a week before he died, I don't need to check it, it's yours something like that he released him and didn't check behind him out of all these years of this development and then he says to Sheila which I think is so beautiful Sheila he turns to Sheila and says Sheila you have been a great wife he says to her we have peace <laughs> okay see they're here right he releases his successor at the church he's here now he's face to face with Sheila Sheila you've been a great wife you have given me peace all right, that's the kiss. And then he sat and wrote out prayers, pages of prayers. And it says, a good man of God will write out his blessing. I told Sheila when I saw it, I was like, Sheila, don't get rid of these papers. You better give copies to all your kids. In there is a blessing written. In there is a blessing. The whole time, he didn't know he was leaving this earth. But when God, the impelling power of God is in you, which was in that man, that man was a great man of God. He did his assignment, and it was time to move on. I was sitting at the funeral. I was overwhelmed at how he did his assignment. You heard in the voices of the people the assignment he accomplished, but it was beautiful. It was going like this the whole year. It was going like this the whole year, and then it got into this level, and then it was the final what? It, it was done, and there was such great peace because there was an impelling power working between her and him. So it wasn't bad. It's sad. But guess what? I'm rejoicing for that man. He's somewhere where I want to be. He is where we all want to be. In fact, so I wasn't sad at the funeral, but I was like this, knowing the word all the time, spending in the word. I sat there. And when I was at Sheila's house, Sheila saw, I think you saw it when I was looking at the prayers I was like, God is so, this is the word. <laughs> he is his word. Jesus wants us to get to know this power that's within us so we don't miss where he's taking us. Okay, if she didn't listen to any of the things that the Lord was, you know, yielding her to do during that, God was trying to make this transition smooth. You get it? It's a smooth transition. Okay, and then now his life has moved on and now hers is going into the, they're each going, they're each promoted. One person promoted in heaven, Sheila's being promoted into her next move of God. All right, everything's about a shift, a move, and a promotion. And that's what we're trying to learn in soul shifters. We've got to get all the negative things out of this soul so we can truly be moved by an impelling power, not a compelling force. Compelling force is selfishness. Compelling force makes you think that, well, I got to do this for me. I got to do this for you. I've watched Sheila for a whole year. And I remember Sheila, I don't know what I'm, I got to be doing this. I got to be doing that. It was kind of funny. I didn't know what was happening in her life, but she knew she was to move. And so I, I, I honor these two right here. I've watched what's happened with Jamie this year. And I've watched what happened with Sheila. These are great testimonies. It was the same thing when we bought her house. Same thing. Man, Weta wanted to sell her house for whatever reason she wanted to, but her testimony was great. She, how many years was that? That was a three-year window, wasn't it? About four. We can know something on the inside, and then a force can make us do it on the outside before it's timing. When we spend time with God, 
that impelling power within us, which I like this, it's a drive. It's an urge. Why is he our teacher? Because when you get that drive, who do you have to submit it to first? You have to go home to the right, your teacher, your true minister. I'm not your minister. He's your minister. You have to go home to him and he's got to show you the way in which you are to go. He wants you to move forward. He said, press on, press on by seeking the kingdom of God, because that's when you know your righteousness. That's when you experience your peace. That's when you experience your joy, even though it wasn't a comfortable position for her, the window is never comfortable. But in the move, you will experience a peace and joy. I believe you had, there is a peace and joy that you have experienced. I see it in Sheila. I believe I can see it when the release happened and Jamie looked at me. Didn't you feel it? You felt a joy. Jamie's being sent out to do something that she's truly assigned to do. And it's God. And she didn't, she grew. So remember, wherever your assignment is, the grace of God is going to cover you in the move. He's going to, he is going to show that way. I love it. Angels restrain the, restrain the forces of darkness while you're walking. So think about this. If I am walking and trying to hear God and I'm not worshiping and reading in my word, what's happening? I still have power in me because I'm born again Christian. I have the regenerated spirit, but guess what else is happening? Swirling, swirling. So I'm walking with swirling and ah, it's too confusing. Come on. Who have we all felt it? Oh, I can't take it. Why can't you take it? Because the angels can only respond to as much as we connect. It says, in your spirit, there is a sound. In your spirit is a note. What does, I looked up the word tongues. You know what tongues mean? A sound, a note. Okay. In each and every one of us is a note, is a sound. And when we need to connect to the Father through Jesus Christ, something's going to what? Come out. It's going to come out. And it's going to stop. I love Zinni's testimony about Joshua. It, the enemy could not get him in that accident. Why? Because she's faithful. And because God made her a promise that no enemy shall hit her tent. So what she loves, even though Joshua may not be in the understanding of Christ and all this, he protects what you love. He protects what concerns your heart. But if only... He only does this if you're walking it out and you're calling unto him. Think about all the people that aren't tapping into their Holy Spirit and they're, they're angry. Why are they angry? What's floating around them? Compelling forces, tossing them to and fro. Is this a good way to image it? Rachel went to a yoga class yesterday. It was so cute. And, um, you know, Jean's like, you went to yoga? Oh, yeah, it was my first time. I really liked it. He goes, be careful. Right. It was kind of funny that, you know, he said that we, Rachel and I go to dinner and she said to me, mom, you know, when I sat there, they told me to close your eyes, get calm. And Rachel said she thought about she thought she was going to pass out. They were playing and saying all these things because there's I guess that's yoga training. Right. But yoga is tapping you into another force. And if you open your mind and say, I surrender to that force, then you've just allowed those compelling forces to go in and out of your temple in and out of your temple. And where are they going in and out of your temple? Here, they can't touch your spirit, but you can repress your spirit. You are miserable and you are in torment when your spirit is repressed and your ears aren't hearing for God. Your voice is not speaking for God. You actually start connecting to the confusion going around you. And I know everybody in here can experience this. I've watched each and every one of you experience it. Man, I have what you see the film on the person. And when Rachel said to me, mom, I closed my eyes. She, Rachel said the swirling was so bad. I started laughing because of what the Lord was really kind of showing me. The swirling was so bad. She thought she was going to pass out because why? She hasn't been taught to receive that kind of spirit. She's been taught to build the power within her, not connect to the outside forces. So when she was telling Jean and I that today, it was just like, I was glad she confessed it because if she didn't confess it, do you know what I mean? Jean said, you can still, cause she's going with her stepmom. Now a relationship got over the car. She needs to keep going with Jennifer, but she needs to be pleading the blood. She needs to be, because if she's doing it for the right heart, God's going to protect her because you don't want to shun another person saying, Oh, I'm not going to yoga with you. 
Yeah, that's not Christian. Well, no, that's not what we're supposed to do. But we're supposed to recognize what forces are working. And this is where tonight the awareness of grace is knowing it's a manifold grace within you. We've got to know. It says what holds us back. We've got, we know it's unforgiveness, shame, and rejection that causes the swirling. But how do you know you're in the midst of it? We think it's because we can't handle the circumstance. There is no circumstance God has not put you in that you can't handle. It's you. It's in here. And how do you know it? The swirling. Has everybody in here felt the swirling? You can feel the swirling. And you just don't know what to do. And you get stuck. And you know what happens? People end up like Lot's wife. When God warns Lot, leave the city. Go away. Take your wife and your children and go. And she, what did she do? Looked back. Because she was afraid of what she was going to miss. But when you look, there's a certain time when you look back that you get so frozen that you think you can't make it, you go back. And you miss out on the best God has for you. Praise God we do live with mercy because we can, we're born after Christ, so we can stumble and we can fall back, but we can what? We can get back. We can't, he doesn't leave it where we can't get back. So I wanted to read this Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians here for a second. I think I have to read it from this one. This is awesome because we are so, we, it is overwhelming to me how awesome it is that by grace through faith, we actually get to walk this out. Can you please put up Ephesians chapter two? Please put up verses one through five for me. One through five. Isn't this awesome? I'm telling you that this, God is so good. It says, and you, he made alive. Now I'm going to hit something here with the resurrection. I've been talking about the resurrected Christ. It says when Jesus died, he was what? Buried. And then three days he was what? Resurrected. There is no storm in your life that cannot be overcome in what? Three days. Because he didn't build this sanctuary with hands. He built it through God. All right. So he, through Jesus Christ, he built this pattern in us. If we know it, the moment we experience the swirling, we can stop right there, captivate the thought and say, all right, give it unto him because he already made us alive to experience the resurrected life now. We have a resurrected life in our body later but he expects us to experience it now on earth. That's the abundant life. Knowing how to experience the resurrected moments now. It says, because he in and you, he made alive who were what? Dead in trespasses. You were also dead in what? Sins. Sin is missing the mark. All right. And trespass, man, you know you're missing it because you know you're not doing it. In which you once walked according to, to the course of this world, according to the prince of what? Power of the air. The prince of power of the air is a what? It's a force. Guess what? The impelling power of God is a breath. You don't even have to feel the breath. You just hear it and you, it can, there are times that the word can be spoken and it goes right here. There's a time I could speak the word and it goes right into the spirit. It goes right into the spirit of the person. All right. But the prince of the power of air, man, he wants to come do what? Steal, kill and destroy. I like it. You ever hear, I, I used this this morning. You had a really good coffee, right? You go to Starbucks and then they put the extra fluff on top. It's like it foams up. A good espresso doesn't have a little foam on top. And you get excited, you want to, you know what I mean? You want to have that little sweet foam part of the cream. When the impelling power of Christ is being built up in you, being built up, built up, built up, then you've got to pass a test, right? You're crossing over to another measure of Christ in you. Well, when it comes to that fullness and before you get to that final exam, the enemy wants to come and just scrape off the cream. <laughs> he wants to scrape off the cream and you miss the sweetness of the best God has for you. I did. I think of it like that. I think of that. You know what I'm saying? You hear the little expression machine. You see the little fluff and then somebody just comes and steals it. 
They, there's not much fluff on the top of an espresso. <laughs> Is it called an espresso? Oh, the latte. Okay, let me get to the latte. I have to get my coffee terms right. But I think about that. You know, after I'm done the first layer, sometimes I don't want the rest of the coffee. <laughs> All right. That wasn't funny. But okay. What I'm trying to say is, and, and, and such an awesome part, is we walk according. We are not to walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of air, the spirit who now works in the what? Sons of disobedience. When we start accepting the compelling forces around us, we've now become a son of disobedience. Even though the whole time there's a little power-packed energy wanting to run you towards Jesus. But what are you listening to? That's why it says we've seen people in this ministry be told instruction. Mamie was told not to wear makeup anymore. Why? Because that makeup was a force of the world onto her. Okay? The Lord told me to get rid of all my jewelry because that jewelry had a force. There would be certain pieces I'd wear. I'd feel good. But that wasn't what? That wasn't him. That was a force in that jewelry. There is so much media and stuff out there. There's a force behind it. You've got to be so solid in the Christ in you. You don't fall into the son of disobedience. It says, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. So we're all guilty in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. This is where I get into messages that when people are trying to self-motivate you and they're, and they're trying to focus on your self-improvement, yourself, yourself, well, you have to be really sensitive to what you're hearing because you can't do it. Only Christ in you can change you. And he's always going to put you in an assignment that's going to require a change. I like this. Jamie's going to go to a new job. It's going to require what? It's going to be a change. But she is called with the first verse I open up to. She's going to have to learn trust in that job. And she's going to trust that God sent her there. I like it. Sheila's going to have to learn what? She's going to have to learn a new trust. It's new. She was already comfortable. Now she's in a new zone. There's a new trust. But he already says, I trust you, Sheila. You're not going to get it. But don't do what? Just now, you can't do it without me. And that's what he wants to remind you. When something starts taking you over and you do start hearing yourself say, I, 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 me, 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 I'm going to tell you, you can get, I, I have done it. You can feel it and you just start speaking it and then you feel horrible after. That's how you know the, the impelling power is working because it reminds you, hey, <laughs> That was not good to boast at that moment <laughs> because now I can bring you back. He's going to bring us back right into that. And it says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in what? Mercy. Mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. All right. So that means everywhere we go, when we're called in, we're going through our suffering, we're being perfected, we're established, we're going through the whole rotation. We have to know what force is moving us around that circle. And you hope it's the faith of the impelling power and not the compelling forces of what? The Prince of Air. And so the Lord wants to remind us that he has tailor-made our situation, but he's going to ask us to judge every step we take. And that's what you have to ask yourself. Before I buy that dress, before I rent that apartment, before I love it, Sharice and I went through an awesome testimony together where she was about to go rent an apartment, but something told her to ask Jean or myself to go see this apartment. Well, I have to tell you, I was being open-minded. When we got up into that apartment, I knew halfway through that apartment that's not where Sharice was supposed to go. But I couldn't tell that to Sharice. I was open, and Sharice, was t she was talking it all to me. Do you know what I mean? Showing me what she thought was good and blah, blah, blah. But then she said the right thing. I love this. The Holy Spirit spoke through Sharice to the man because the man was like, hey, I need your money now. Hey, this is going to rent. Hey, I got this. Remember? She said, well, I brought my minister that's what you said. And then you said, but I really need to bring my parents. 
Man, I went to hug the girl. I went, I was like, Cherise, I love you. Because what she did was she is a woman not married. She had to honor who? Her parents. And that was her protection. Because the moment she said, but I've got to, whether she really cared what her parents thought. Doesn't make a difference. She spoke the words that I have to honor my parents. I, we were on the phone, remember that? Because the forces, the compelling forces were really pushing her to put that deposit down. Remember? And I was just like, I, Cherie, she's strong like me. We were, mm, right? And um, I just remember thinking, okay, God, you're going to have to give me this words because this woman is strong, right? And so God really did give me the right words at the right time. And I reminded her, we've got to wait for your parents. And I said, if it works, it'll work. Well, that was an awesome testimony because God blessed her, even a decision she didn't want to make. And then the right apartment came. Do you know what I mean? And God's still moving her to say, trust me. Don't trust the, the compelling things around you. Trust the inner move. And the inner move is going to line up with what? The word of God. When God released Jamie, it was through a word of God spoken in a, in a real estate teaching. And I stood behind her and said, move. <laughs> she said it went through her. It was awesome because she hadn't told me about her any of her experience. But it was all lined up, and she had she had on her desk every piece of paper and every what? Word. It was so powerful. We are to be led, and the only way we can stand under his grace and receive his mercies is by knowing what is moving you. What is moving? It's okay. We're always going to have the forces around us. But what is truly moving you? And when you're feeling the attacks, if you don't know the word, what do you say? In the name of Jesus, you can plead the blood of Jesus. And guess what's going to have to happen? The swirls got to break in his name. And so this is where I really wanted to touch this tonight, that the awareness of grace, you know what the awareness part is? Who, what force, what power is moving you? Because if you're using the word power, that power means kingdom power to me. But if it's a force, you even look up that word supernatural. It says a force of something, all right? And God said this to me in my heart. And he said, it all in the Bible, it's all written divine protection. You've heard it, right? Divine nature, okay? Divine confession, divine, divine. Divine means holy, all right? And I heard this. The Lord said to me, God's divine nature should be natural to us. That's what he told me. He said, people, we, 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 have, we are learning how to break the sound barrier of the compelling force. We can break the sound barrier of that compelling force that wants, to, that wants to bring us in the wrong place so we miss the fluff of the latte. Do you know what I mean? We want to get the best God has. We want to get the perfect latte. We want the cream. We want to have that little swirl perfect right how many of you want something so perfect you do we want something so perfect but right when God's about to hand it to us I'm going to tell you that compelling force is so strong Sheila it had to happen there had to be forces near the end do you know what I mean and it was trying to it, I imagine that even he had to be experiencing he didn't know what was going on there had to be something but yet his voice still spoke what was within him he gave her peace by saying, you gave me peace. It is beautiful. So when I look at these things, when love, light, and truth is coming close to you, remember, compelling forces are coming right around, a swirl around you. Picture yourself like that. Picture yourself with whatever. Remember, I put before you what? Life and death. Which shall you choose? It's going to come from your mouth. All right? So who's feeding it? Who is feeding the words you're speaking? And the Lord had me just, okay, he says, draw closer to me, I draw closer to you. Take one step, I'll meet you. So you're faced with a crisis. You're faced with a circumstance. Take what? One step. Don't move. Worship him. Meditate on him. Thank him. Confess. Give out those confessions of your heart. But then don't move. And guess what you're going to feel? Swirling. <sighs> Swirling. <sighs> All right? And if you react to the swirling with lust, lust is power of control. 
anger, fear, any of those things, you better just stop what you're doing. Just, just stop. I love it. Stop, drop, and roll. That's what we learn in school when there's a fire. Stop, drop, and roll. That's what we had to teach the kids. So you just stop. Cross your legs, sit down. There is no rush in the kingdom of God. There is urgency, but there is no irritability in that move. Okay? When you know it's coming from inside, there is this small little faith that becomes this great faith, and it makes you move forward. I watched it with Sheila. You were, you were, you were so good. We ministered. This is awesome. She, she ministered to this couple. We were sitting there who the guy, I don't, I'm not sure if he was saved or not, but I come to visit her and here people are showing up to visit this woman, you know, and this is the guy that set her up with the guy. And they're so, the wife was good. She was solid. She knew exactly what God was doing, but him, you could see the swirling going on around him. He just didn't know what to think. He didn't know what to, it was breaking him that his friend passed away the way he did, which I'm going to tell you, God took him, God took Frank excellent in his sleep. Seconds, boom, it was done. We all want to die that way, that easy. We would like to die that easy. But he could not, it was overwhelming him while we were sitting there. And Sheila's at peace. You saw the peace of God on Sheila and Sheila was good about disciplining it too. You kept everything going. But this man, and he said he was not going to speak. He was not going to get up at that funeral. I witnessed that, right? And then I witnessed the night he gets up. <laughs> he gets up and he starts speaking. And I just was like, that was God. That was God. Because that's where I, you watch that force, but I liked it. What he had to say had to be what said. And so when we're feeling the compelling circle, and I keep using the word compelling, because compelling means it piques our interest enough that we're actually going to go do it. But he says, if you let me teach you, the verses I was saying, let take everything to him. I loved it. Jamie showers at four o'clock in the morning and then lays back in her bed all ready for work and says, okay, I just need to pray to God. But I liked it. She got her shower out. She got herself dressed, but she said, I need to submit this to God first. You know what I mean? But she could have kept, I knew that she's a strong, she got force. We, the enemy wants us to use the, all this buildup for his plan. And he steals it from us. And then when we do, we feel so unworthy. We feel like we just messed it up for God. But don't. Just w- take everything one step at a time. Submit everything under the Holy Spirit. And then let your teacher, your minister, your high priest take you into where you need to be. And he says he wants to give us this grace because he made us alive in him. So I, in Thessalonians, it tells um, how that church, people actually stopped working. They became lazy because they were waiting for the second coming of Christ. Because they said he was coming now. He was coming soon. So they decided not to work. And in their idleness, then all the attacks came upon them. God doesn't expect us to be idle. He expects us to walk something out. Get up and do something every day. We can have our down days. There's nothing wrong with that. But he's not leaving us to stay in a state of idleness because in that we can trespass, in that we sin. He wants us to keep walking out every day unto him and he's going to show us exactly what we need to do. He knows the day we need rest. He truly is the all-powerful God. And so I know you guys know that, but I really want you to hone in on As you walk out the next couple of days, think about the decisions that are coming before you. Think about the movements. What choices am I really making? Is this a power or is this a force? Because I'm going to tell you, if two cannot walk together unless they what? Agree. So guess what? Whatever compelling force comes around you, it needs to agree with what's already in you. If there is no agreement, make your yes, yes, and your no, no, for anything else is of the evil one. And that is the truth. I, If I can't say yes, then I, it's going to be no for then. It's going to be no for that day. You're not going to get me uh, 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 now. Because he already did it. He already taught me that. But I learned very quickly in the in-between, in the beginning when Gene and I part, we made some mistakes. Because we didn't make our yes, yes, and our no, no. We were trying to look for something that we thought, okay, if this is going to be an advantage to me, oh, Hold on. I have this written down. It was really cool. 
If something is an advantage to you, be careful. Because the enemy could can be compelling you to go a different way. Hold on. Let me see if I can find this really quick. Hold on. I think it's Corinthians 15. First Corinthians. I thought it was really awesome. No, it isn't. Here it is. All right. It's Corinthians verse 15. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. In vain means in your own benefit. Ooh. <laughs> Meaning, if you, I, I, that, I wrote that in your own benefit. It made me shiver. If we actually believe because we think he's going to benefit us and it's not about us to him, do you know what I mean? Remember, every relationship is what? Two ways. Two need to walk into agreement. If I'm constantly on, hey, this word sounds good to me. This word says I'm going to prosper. This word says this. This word says I'm going to do this. But I don't do anything back. And what does it say? I declare to you the gospel which I have preached to you, which also you received, and which you what? Stand. We have to stand under grace. I love that. By which also you were what? Saved. Man, we couldn't have saved ourselves if you hold fast the word. So that you're, yes, this is, this is um, 1 Corinthians um, 15, verse 1 and 2. And I like it because when it says, I declare, declare means to reveal. Declare means to make known. Do you know he expects us not to deny him? He expects us to make him known. But he also says to us, which is really awesome, but unless you believed in vain, guess what that means? No power. If you believed in vain, that means you've, you caught the spiritual compelling force. Come on. There is compelling forces in the church today and you just grab onto that and you go. And then how do you know? Because you believe something in vain and that means you were still what? Disappointed. It says hope does not disappoint if it comes from the Holy Spirit. If that love of that direction came upon you by the Holy Spirit, there is no what? Disappointment. It's so funny. Gene said to me about some, he, somebody that he had an appointment with that it couldn't work out. And he goes, they're really mad at me. And I said, well, I guess it wasn't God then. Because there's no disappointment in God's direction. Do you know what I mean? There's only appointments. So which appointment is it? The appointment to move forward or something for you to change? So whoever the angry side was has to what? They've got to recognize that this obviously wasn't God because God wouldn't make me angry if I didn't get what I wanted. Because if I was getting what I wanted and I'm angry, then I'm in vain. I'm doing it for my own benefit. That really hit me because we all have to check ourselves constantly because we're human. So we do want things for our, we want to come on top. We want to be the best we can be. But if we're doing it to be the best we can be without him, it's done in vain. So praise God. Does anybody have any questions? Yeah. Well, oh, uh, this is what the Lord gave me. It says divine protection, divine nature. And this is, I heard the Holy Spirit say, God's divine nature should be natural to us. Okay, if Christ is in me and he is teaching me the way and how to go, then guess what? It's actually starting to become natural for me. If I feel the swirling, then I already know where my anchor is. So I just go, that's not him. And I go, what? I don't just, I'm not mean to it. I'm not angry. I'm not hurt. I just go to the what? You go to the next step. So that's becoming that, this way, his way, the only way. Jesus is what? The way, the truth, and the life. If I learned how he handled things, then that, that is God's nature. That's his divine nature. And he said, and Lee, that's what should be natural to his children. We are not to be tossed to and fro. We are to really know I'm not to tell you, you need to know him. You'll know him by knowing that you actually are becoming his nature. And it's divine. It doesn't make you better. It just makes us what? Walking out what we were called to do, our assignment. 
the world wants to put you on a pedestal. The world wants to put you on a, God's going to have assignment for anything. We can't judge anybody's assignment because we, as long as it's, it's not against the word, do you know what I mean? But it's not even our job to judge it. That is not our place. God says he didn't send his son for punishment. He did send him for judgment. So we're not here to get punished by God, but be prepared that in every move we'll experience a measure of judgment that he's working to get, he's working to change us. That's the resurrected life. If you allow the death, the burial, he resurrects you up and that vanity moves out and a greatness of him comes in. And now it is amazing. When I met Jean, I'd be like, does this man ever make a decision on something? Are we make it? Where are we going? Right. And here I'm just being what? Pushed by forces, by the principalities. Let's go. You say you want to. Let's go. Jamie's been there with me. And so, I mean, I can't blame you, Jamie, because when I watched you do it with me, I was like, yep, me seven years ago was Jamie when she first came into our office. I was like, let's get moving, Jean. Come on. Right. And so now Jean and I, we can sit on something forever. If it's not moving from the inside out. Now I asked him the other day because the Lord gave me the, the difference between the two forces, just giving me a better understanding to try to help guide people. I said to him, Gene, is that compelling? And he said, yeah, it really is. I said, okay, I don't want to talk to you right now. (laughs) Because I don't want to be the one compelling you. I would rather be me being, but but that doesn't mean don't talk about something with a deal. Don't talk about, you could be a witness to somebody tapping into the power. So we can't, don't beat yourself up. But when you have to make a decision, don't worry about, always make sure that your words are seasoned with salt with good, you know, movement and with love, we walk in love. So, but if you have to make a decision, sit down and feel what's going on around you. Just like Rachel in the yoga class. You know, she went to yoga, but she said, mom, I felt like I was going to pass out. She felt the swirling. Okay. So that means what was around her? A greater force that wasn't God. And so it's awesome. Did I go too long? Is it 615? Okay. Yes. Yeah.